0: To get started, because I was doing this for uh, you know for other people, so you, so you guys get exposure and whatnot, and promote. Even though I know a lot of you know, I know like the come up story. Um, yeah. Up recently, talk about your come up story. How you, Erica, worked with Kanye West with the Grammy Week story.
1: Sure. Um, I I uh, was born and raised in Westchester, which is just north of New York City, um, and my exposure to rap really came from going to the city or going to, um, uh, you know, shows shows around the city, um, going to visit our aunt in the city, um, obviously watching TV and listening to the radio. Um, but things really changed um, when I uh, started to get to know Kanye West uh, as an artist or as, as an upcoming producer. And I just... Um, I found this this sort of line that, that directed straight to him. Um, it felt like Harry Diller met with the Godfather producers, uh, thought I was on the fast track to becoming, you know, the next big writer-director. Um, things don't work out in a straight line all the time. Uh, I came back to New York and decided to um, focus on on my scripts. And so I did uh, see an article... Um, by that, that featured John Monopoly, who was one of Kanye's managers at the time, who said that he was uh, putting together a company called Hustle Film out of Chicago. I wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. I loved hip-hop. I loved uh, what they were doing out of Chicago. Um, I sort of put all my chips in on this one thing and... Uh, got to know those guys. I got to know Don C and John Monopoly and Kanye and Consequence and GLC and A-Track and all of them. And uh, less than a year later, after getting to know those guys, they invited me out to the Grammys in 2005, uh, February. And I spent a week uh, just traveling with those guys, uh, documenting everything uh, on video. So so it's funny, you see all these guys, um, Maybach Music and and Fabulous, and everyone who goes out on tour, every band, every group now has their own videographer. At the time, it really wasn't the case. So this was sort of novel. um, And I got to run around with with the biggest artist during his biggest week, going to his label launch uh, for good music, going to rehearsals, going to fittings, going to speeches, going to after parties. And it really was a dynamic experience. By the time I came back to New York, and you put that on the top of your resume, then you get a lot of meetings. And so, um, I was lucky enough to go to all these labels and work independently with artists like Jim Jones or Missy Elliott or different bands at Jive or 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 whatever record labels. And uh, it really showed me a phenomenal, uh, an interesting and funny viewpoint behind the scenes. Well, tell the yeah. Kevin Lyle story. And uh, one of the first meetings I had was with Leor Cohen, uh, who was head of Warner Music Group at the time. He had recently left um, Def Jam, Island Def Jam, went over to Warner and I was like riding on my high horse back from LA after working with Kanye and I got a meeting with Leor, and I walk in the office and uh, Lior is sitting down there with Kevin Lyles and me. And he's like, well, what do you want to do for us? And I was like, I would work with any of your artists. I would, you know, I can, I can, I have a really interesting eye. I'm a good storyteller. I think I can, I can, you know, make your artists into personable, interesting people behind the scenes. And he was like, but what if I want to hire you uh, to do something in the middle of the night? I'm like, I will be there. He's at 6 a.m. in the morning. I said, I will be there. He's like, you'll drop anything to work for us. I said, absolutely, I'll work for you right now. He said, what if, I asked you to go and film Kevin's son's bar mitzvah and I'm like, Kevin Lyles is Jewish? (laughs) Needless to say, uh, I did not get that job, but uh, interestingly enough, we are actually going to see Lior and Kevin uh, this afternoon and they're listening. uh, For Kevin's son's bar mitzvah. For Kevin's son's bar mitzvah. That's why we're going over there.
0: <laughs> That's, I just wanted, uh, I'll, I'll get to Jeff in a second. I just wanted to explain your story because it's so like you know influential, motivational. You might not think it, but someone out on the outside looking in who's not in the industry yet and who just graduated college and you know gets, gets denied a lot by you know radio stations or etc. A lot of people in my college they uh, had blogs. You know they thought it was a cool thing to do, and then after they graduated, you know they're working not not to not, mm-hmm. nothing against them. They're working an accounting jobs. and They deleted their blogs and whatnot. No, totally. I think, yeah, no,
1: and and I, I totally appreciate those very kind words. My my story I think is one of stubbornness, of focus, of determination, of um, getting creative to knock down different doors. Because people have said no to me a bunch, but it on the on the whole really hasn't phased me. I think I've just been um, just really intent on becoming what I want to be and who I want to be, and. Um, when it comes to hip hop sketch comedy, it's something that Jeff and I made from nothing really into something. Um, and a lot of people told us no at the beginning, and a lot of those same people came around in the end to be like, "Oh, we understand what you're doing, and we see how it can work." So our origin story is basically the same as Kanye's on Last Call. Like it's 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 almost exactly the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. I saw that uh, Instagram post. That was uh, that was a cool post about Kanye. But uh, yeah, it was cool because you have a skill. You use video and you utilize your skill set, and I think that's important as well. You know, it's tough to be on a skill set, and now yeah. going on is uh, When you found that interview with Field Mob because they weren't really productive. They weren't. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> this really is like this is some deep. This is some deep <laughs> stuff right here.
0: Yeah. Um. um. Jeff, was that a tough situation? And also, when you first did your interview with Lloyd Sing, like, how nervous were you? Was that something you were able to overcome over time?
1: Uh, I'm a terrible interviewer, Um, but those were especially terrible interviews. That was I did. I I, It was at my friend's graduation party, and um, the guy from Wrap Up gave me an opportunity to um, Devin gave me an opportunity to um, to interview field mob, um, who were in a memo at the time, um, and were not entirely receptive to answering my very easy questions. My easy questions which were I, my assignment was like the easiest thing. I was cool. like yeah, it's a phone interview. I'm in my friend's <laughs> I was in bedroom. Like by myself because I'm like, Oh like, excuse me, I have to leave your graduation party to do an interview with some rappers. Like on some like no big deal like sort of Hollywood thing. And I go up there, and it is me in his childhood bedroom just asking these guys what their five favorite movies are. And that's all I had to do. And I couldn't get it done. Like, I I was like, okay, um, I guess I'll just start naming movies. I was like, what do you think about Crash? And they're like, our favorite was when the boss man did good. Because Ludacris was their boss. And I was just like, oh my god, everything is going wrong. This is my first, like, assignment. And luckily, um, and the Lloyd Banks one was funny, too, um, for its own reasons, but, um, no, I mean, like, they were, they were very much learning experiences, my interviews have hopefully gotten better, um, if not anymore, um, you know, I, I'm just not, uh, the best interviewer, I guess, <laughs> So oh, you're you're a better writer,
0: you would say. I thought you, when you said you want a good interview. I thought you meant like me asking you questions, but you were better at asking people questions. Oh no,
1: no. I'm 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 okay with in, uh, answering questions, even though I'm stuttering at the moment. Um, no, I think that like asking questions. When I was when I was interviewing Lloyd Banks, I came in with my questions like all yeah. written down, and I sat a foot away from him. right straight from my uh, notes to the point that he moved his chair closer and read the notes with me and was just, like, basically holding my hand through the whole thing. Like, it was, it was not my finest moment. But he was the nicest guy, and then, like, six months later, we did, um, boy, thanks for time and party.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's funny. So, over time, you adapted to the interview, itself, basically, like, at first you were really nervous, but it was, like, exposure for you?
1: Um, it was that we weren't making videos yet uh, at the time. And so, but yeah, I think that um, as I grew up and I grew more comfortable, um, not only with like interviews, but also just like being a person um, and being an adult and not being like, oh wow, like celebrities are so much different than me. And this is like such a weird experience Then I think that I've gotten um, calmer and, and more confident.
0: Yeah. So when you guys worked for MTV, you would plan and research your interviews like very precise, precisely. And uh, last minute, sometimes artists would cancel. This happens to me now. So I was just I was thinking about it, and I was like, I'm the least priority list for the rappers. But the interviews I had so far, I must say the people were cool. But overall, how do you get over that hump of you know getting denied a lot like this? Isn't that like a confidence killer when you guys get denied interviews when you first started?
1: Um, I think. Well, I'll I'll say this. With In terms of MTV, um, for the very most part, uh when they would schedule people, they would come in. Like, if we were at MTV's home studio in Times Square, if people were scheduled to come in, they would come in. We have had cancellations for one reason or another, but those didn't bum us, probably because that was in the middle of our career. I'll say this, though. We were, when we were starting out doing our... Sketch videos at the beginning of our career we uh, we started off wonderfully with Bundy you know he called us wanted to be in videos I mean it was just exceptional um, then we had other people um, Cameron uh, you know we've worked with like a, a, a ton of people Pete Wentz was excellent um, uh, the clips but there were moments and I can tell you the very first one, which was which, which just devastated me um, to bail, um, which was Trouty McCoy, because we had scheduled him to come to our apartment. We thought that this was a very big crossover opportunity for us. June Class Heroes were really, really popular at that point. Um, he seemed like a fan of our work. Um, we were just excited for it to happen. And he was the first artist that, while he did show up in the end and the episode did end up pretty good, uh, the fact of the matter was... He wouldn't return our phone calls one day, uh, text messages. He promised to be at our house at a certain time, and he just bailed on us. And for two guys who were doing this for free, uh, who, you know, we um, we put up episodes every Monday. You know, this was coming out of our pocket. We had our own deadline. We just sort of felt this pride in putting out a product, um, even though we were our own sort of bosses at that point. Um, and we had no one to answer to. We wanted to put out a good product every Monday, and it was really jeopardized by this by this guy who seemingly didn't care. So I think that was the the moment when it was just like. And he, again, he did show up at the end, um, and it did end up being all right. And he's always been good to us since. But he like, has. It was. He was. He was late by probably what like six hours, seven hours. Yeah, I think one of the days he didn't even show up. It was just. It was a very long process. We had to bend a lot of stuff to, to set him in. But I think. If that's the worst thing that could happen um, and you learn from that experience and you know that you can put together stuff in the end, you're going to be all right. I'll give you another example. We, we went up to Max B's apartment up in the Bronx yeah, uh, an, to play Scrabble with him. And this is an episode that if if there's one episode that people love probably more than any other one, it amazingly the Max B one. And that ended up being one of the most frustrating ones for us because in the middle of the shoot, Max B basically kicked us out of his apartment and didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, yeah, he had Yeah. <laughs> he did. He had he had emotional issues with us being there and and didn't want to finish the episode. And again, with this deadline on Monday morning and, and having already promoted it to we put up a teaser that was very popular, there was no way we could go back. And what we did was, um, we we just you know, we had to finish it. So we did what we could do, which was rewrite the script and reshoot the things that we could in our apartment at, like, 3 a.m. Yeah, like, doubling, you know, our apartment as his, uh, putting up, like, a green bed sheet to match his green walls. You know, you do what you can, and you and you think, you know what? Not everyone is is as hard a worker as you are. Not everyone is as professional as you'd like to think you are. And, you know, to get it done, you get it done. But I also think that, like, I think we've... We because um, the only time that the, the actual interviews have not happened has been, like, sort of in a string of other interviews. Like, when we went down to NBA All-Star Weekend and in Orlando for MTV, and we had, like, 26 interviews lined up, and, you know, that, that was our way of, like, saving ourselves in case, like, somebody just fell through because of scheduling. So, I mean, like, that, that's the only time that that actually really happened to us. Right, and, and by the way, because we overscheduled down there... Because MTV expected us to do, I think, two or three interviews when we went down there. Jeff and I scheduled ourselves, 26, and came back like kings because we got content that MTV News couldn't even get. So it's always our intent to deliver more than we're asked for, I think. And right. and that sort of helps us in the end.
0: What about the preparation for the interview? Say if all 26 people decided to interview you that day, you know, you're kind of screwed. How do you uh, plan all that out? And, you know, you oh. guys have, what if it's well. 26? 20-
1: yeah, so like we we did that. <laughs> I mean, like the thing is that all 26 interviews did happen. Well, um, cool. so like we did we did do all the preparations. We did do all the AKAs. We did do all the and and that that would happen to us later on too. We did it at um, at Austin City Limits, and we almost so we were down there and we got there early, probably like at 10 a.m. The concert is an all-day thing for two days. Yes. um And so we were down there and. Um, we go to our booth. Um, Which is like, labeled MTV. And so we were like, oh, okay, so this is the MTV booth. We're here for MTV. And the liaison comes over and says, hey, MTV, um, I'm going to be bringing you guys to go see Coldplay. And we were like, oh, of course you are. Thinking, they're, what? Like, yeah, like, Coldplay is not for us. Like, but we will happily take Coldplay. And so we were we quickly figured out that we were mistaken for MTV News. Right. And we were scrambling to come up with, like, new A Can Make Sense and asking questions about, like, when it's Yeah and, like, the Queen of England and all these pretty yeah. things. And so, like, we were, right as 2 o'clock came up and um, MTV was supposed to come over, MTV News, those idiots showed yeah. up and took our interview, which was originally their interview. Right. And, um, and so, like, that one ended up falling through. So, I mean, like, but the fact that we, in, like, half an hour, came up with, like, a ton of questions, like, way too many questions and way too many AKAs, and we were just like, okay, like, this is... When you're back into a corner, you sort of have to think fast. Also, so, uh, we went to Chicago to interview a whole bunch of people at the WGCI uh, Winterfest, or whatever it was called. Um, Winter Jam. Winter Jam, yeah. And, um... And you know, if people think that there's any glamorous side of this, it's certainly not preparation. I'll say that because we would just we we flew in. Uh, we had been writing questions on the plane. We went to our hotel. We wrote questions in the hotel all night. Got up the next day, wrote more questions. Had all of our AKAs. Um, went there and we're ready for any and all interviews uh, to happen. So we've we've ended up coming home with like. Yeah, we were, actually, we were down in, in NBA All-Star Weekend in Orlando, ready to interview Lil John. We didn't get the chance, so we still have questions for Lil John in case we ever, you know, want to sit down with him. Um, we have AKA specific to him, too. But, you know, sometimes these things just don't happen, and that's... yes. Yeah. So you got us a, a mixtape. What's that?
0: Lil John on the mixtape, though. Yeah, we yeah. did. We and, did.
1: And, um, you know, we still have a lot of questions for him about that, too. <laughs>
0: Also, uh, so as Chappelle, you know, Chappelle's skit, I know you guys, Comedy and Hip Hop Incorporated, when Keeping It Real goes wrong, how do you know not to go too far with the sensitive rapper? I mean, there's a lot of them.
1: You mean with the interviews or with the sketches or what?
0: Uh, everything, you know, Yellow Wolf tried to punch you, didn't John yeah. Mills, you got drinks thrown at you in a club, almost yep. beat
1: up. Yeah, um, how do we That's know not to go too far? I, I think we, I think we don't. <laughs> I think we don't and we just try and say it with a smile. yeah well
0: how do you uh how does it all happen like when when you get punched in the face or when they're trying to fight you what i mean how does that feel i mean that's a tough situation it felt horrible it felt like i what
1: was i doing in this industry like why did everything because you have to think at that point that was i don't know three or four years into the run and and at that point it was like but we had had so much success and all these people liked us and you know, you learn, and Jeff has said this to me before, he's like, not everyone's going to like you, you know, yeah. and it just, you know, and if if people don't have a good sense of humor about something and they take it very personal, um, it's a reality that they'll say something. But I think we've been good about showing our faces. It's been very important for us to go to events, to, um, to be out, like... At all of these um, listening parties, at all to be a part of the culture, to be a, an ongoing presence, so people can know that, like, if they have a problem, they can just say it to our face. That we're not that we're not hiding somewhere in the middle of the country and just you know spouting out about different rappers because that's where it gets disrespectful. At least if we say something and then we're answerable, then we I think we're all right. Right. Um, I also think that in terms of our dynamic, Eric is way more sensible. Um, I think that I, um, cross the line more, and Eric is there to be like, you are wrong or stupid for saying this. Not in those words, but I think that, I think that you're better at at saying, like, okay, like, let's stick to being more funny rather than more mean. Yeah, because, look, there's no point in just being mean, like, there's, there's lots of people, and, and Jeff knows this, so it's not, like, me just, like, bringing him back all the time. Jeff knows that, like, we're we we love hip hop we love comedy there's no reason to just like poke people and rile them up to the point where they punch us because that doesn't help anybody right
0: well i mean i don't think i think it's half and half i mean your questions were good and i think it was just a matter of rappers being sensitive because bun b he co-signs you and he's an og in the yeah. game yeah it, look
1: when it when it, in the in the yellow wolf situation in particular he is somebody who was having probably a bad day who was just angry for whatever reason, and we were under the impression, under the clear impression, that he was a fan of ours,
0: and so we could have
1: fun. It turns out that his team was a fan of ours, and that Yellow Wolf was not prepared, but we only found that out afterwards. Right. Um, As Jeff likes to say, though, uh, had that video ever come out, uh, and had he punched us in the face, it would have gone crazy viral. 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 So
0: viral. We've been so worth it. I think uh, Eric said this the sensible one. He said uh, you have a new appreciation for how rappers go about their business because you guys are rappers now. You know. I think. Folks, well, sucking like a poor interviewer being a dick during a sit down. You <laughs> understand uh, how uh, how it feels to be a rapper, Ty, because they have like long days and they go through a lot with touring and whatnot and a lot of interviews.
1: Yeah, completely. Look, we um we know what it's what it feels like to be on both sides of the microphone and. Uh there was one situation where we were when we were promoting the first mixtape, we ran down to Philly. Uh we rented a car, we rented a zip car. We left very early in the morning to get there early. Um we got stuck in the worst traffic on the New Jersey Turnpike. Both of our phones died and we had no way to tell this guy who is a super nice uh radio personality, uh QDZ down in Philadelphia, that we were gonna be late, that we were gonna miss, you know, basically almost all of the show. He was supremely kind and let us do our thing and played it maybe the next day or something like that. But man, we felt pretty awful for doing the same thing that has been done to us in the past. And by the way, it's funny to see artists... We interviewed um, Currency, who is amazingly funny, a super, super nice guy, but just habitually late. I mean, the guy just you know runs on his own schedule. We interviewed him at, um, at Atlantic Records one time, and he actually came into the room that we were in and said, "Oh my God, it's you guys! If I knew it was you, I would have showed up, you know, half an hour earlier." <laughs> so what? it's just you're gonna get you're gonna get that. But I think that uh, hopefully you get more people who are respectful than. Them. Well, I think that also like Eric and I um, are doing this on our own, and I don't think that most rappers who are doing these sorts of you know press runs have such a small team. Um, I think that they have like they don't have the excuse of, of being like oh you want to know what like I I'm doing this by myself like right we were driving ourselves down we got stuck in traffic or or all that
0: yeah when you guys weren't making money for It's The Real, videos and podcasts, how was it as a creative standpoint? Like, did it get old after a while? Like, constantly how did it, trying to,
1: I'm so How was it as a what? Or, or what
0: standpoint? Creative. Like, did it... Creative standpoint. Oh. Did it get old? After a while, like, did you have to constantly one-up yourself? And, like, after a while, you were working for free, so it was, like, where's the money at? We were working for
1: free for the first, like, three and a half, four years. Um,
0: yeah, but I think that...
1: You know, like, honestly, it was just, like, we know this will pay off at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just, like, let's just have the most fun that we can. And we did. And, you know, we were we were doing stuff that nobody else was doing at the time. We were we turned Slaughterhouse, which is, like, this rappy rap rap
0: yep. group, um,
1: yeah. into a boy band. Where they were, like, blowing we, kids at the camera. We were, we were doing stuff where we um were meeting like the clips and laughing around with them um when they were talking about um what was their joke? We did we did everything. We we um look it was always our point to not be stale. Um, right, we wanted a different look for a different video every week and so we we really like it didn't the map? the money didn't even matter. It was just like at some point it'll come and so um what what But at a certain point, like, you know, obviously not making money for four years is not sustainable and it's not like a great way of building a career. And so we were just like, all right, well, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, I I think that um, I think creativity has always spurred us on to to different things. Um, I think that's why. We've gone through sketches and podcasts and short-form interviews and the music thing because they're all just different ways of us exploring our craft and, and different ways of storytelling, but having a very specific viewpoint. Um, so I think along the way, it was uh, we were just honestly going week to week. It, it wasn't about the money for us it wasn't like we were like oh we need to sell out immediately because we could have there were a lot of offers along the way well i still think that money still takes the tax beat yeah i think we're we're just driven towards giving our audience uh the best uh sort of material that that they're not getting from anywhere else and we just uh we're very proud of what we do and one day yeah, it will pay off in a in a big in a big sense, and we're working towards that, putting together a crazy portfolio that no one else has.
0: Was there a time that you were going to give up, like you guys would be accountants or something, or something in the business world? <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, I don't know that that's in the cards. I think that neither of us is particularly good with money, <laughs> um, you know, stereotypes aside. But um, I think that um, no, I mean, if anything, like. I think that we each have um, uh, pretty good backup plans, which is like if this didn't work out, then I guess like we would work for like a record company or, yeah. you know, do some sort of marketing thing or some agency. But I mean, like, also, like, both of us can write. I, I think that we just want to be like somewhere in the same sort of space. Like, it wouldn't be like a total different lateral move or like well, a downward move. I'll also say this uh, we don't spend much of our time thinking about. Like alternative plans, I think we're just so committed to uh, continuing what's been a successful run these last seven years. Um, well, also, like if this doesn't work out with like it's the real, like I'm happy to go do my own solo thing and just become a reggaeton artist. Like I think that that's um, I think the world is looking for that. Yeah, because you know, again, money. That's <laughs> I think it's my time to shine. There you go.
0: Yeah. Oh, when you guys were on Sway, he was he was like. Understand how you guys made money. It was kind of funny, and, and yeah,
1: guys- Sway's 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 a good a great guy, um, and uh, he plays um, he plays his relationship with us down on the radio. Like every time we see him, he's really really proud of us. We were on a panel um, that he actually mentioned on on air um, together with all these hip hop legends, um, where we were doing some storytelling, and um, I think Sway just wants to sort of like poke fun at us on air just like we would poke fun at rappers if we interviewed them or whatever yeah
0: Um, so Sway has a good sense of humor
1: yeah I think Sway has a very good sense of humor and I think that he really understands what his what his personality is on air and what his character is on air Um, and and he definitely loves what we bring and respects what we bring to the table and I I, we're just very proud of that He's, he's a legend
0: uh, yeah, he is a legend. I, I didn't know if he had a good first, uh, good uh, sense of humor or not because I heard he, was, he got mad about the name thing at first. Oh,
1: well, I, look, he he told us, Sway's, Sway's an OG. Like, at, at that point, nothing's, nothing's gonna bum him out or... Yeah, or, he was like, you know, I don't care. He's like, it's more tension on me. Like, I'm at a point in my career where just, like, I do what I do and, um, you're like, that's fine. Yeah, like, like he's... I don't even want to, like, say that he doesn't have a good sense of humor, like, he's just so over it, like, he's just, like, whatever. Like, it, it, it doesn't even phase him at all. Right for, for the Kanye thing.
0: I'm old for 2, so oh. I right. my, my first interview was at K-45 with Sway, and I had it with wonder. And yeah. I, nah, I died, and they go, do you have any more questions? I go, "No, nah, it doesn't matter, Sway doesn't have the answers. They did <laughs>
1: like... Well, I mean... You know, but maybe was, on, on on the wrong day, but generally speaking, every time we've we've been around Sway, he's had a very good attitude. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely a true uh, OG, a legend. I can't hate on it, you
1: know. No, no, I got gotcha. you.
0: But it, it it just sucks getting denied sometimes. But that's a part of it. I, I feel like everyone den- gets denied it.
1: Yeah, but yeah, but you know what though? I think if you if you tune that out, because look, <laughs> we we're, we're we're veterans of video making on the internet. We understand people saying negative things about us. Um, not everyone's going to have the same opinion about you. Not everyone's going to like what you put out or even return an email or a phone call. And it just it's just part of the game and you sort of have to brush it off and just move past it because, you know, in the end, it's are you happy with what you're doing and are you proud of it? And someone somewhere will, will you know, get attached to what you do, too, and be a fan of what you do. So it's all about, you know, thrive and uh, not letting people shake you. I also think, like, in terms of, like, a backup career, we could also be motivational speakers. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a Joel Osteen or, like, mm-hmm. Oprah network um, right. sort of thing. So I think that that's, like, also a move that we can do. Definitely.
0: Yeah. No, I remember seeing you guys as kids doing that uh, when I was really younger, doing MTV and I thought it was funny. And then I just I researched you and followed you throughout the years when I was interested in hip hop. No, thank so you. Appreciate thank you. you. Guys, are, you guys are the rap game. Uh, the Daily Show, the Cobra Report. You, Eric, kept saying in interviews not to get confused. Weird out on the lonely island, like the Perry yeah. song. So you got two projects out: Ur- Urban Outfitters and uh, Jews for Jesus. Talk about like that whole experience and riding around, cruising the mainland Bentley at 3 a.m. Yeah. Um,
1: well. It, it all starts out with the fact that we have been around for a while and uh we've become very close with a lot of the people that we used to poke fun at may for instance right right um someone who's become a real a real true friend of ours same with bunby um and a lot of these guys joe budden you know where we can actually like have real real life conversations with them and when you get to a certain point it's hard to make the same jokes that you were making when you were younger yeah and less connected and so when at this point it's like you know you can get around the culture as much as you want but at a certain point you sort of blow things up from the inside um and so like that's what we've done we've 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 now taken the roles as rappers and are now acting out the lives that we were once making fun of which i guess you know, which is both fascinating and fun, by the way. And uh, and we we it's always been our goal to build upon what has already been built and and never tear it down. It's it's we love this culture too much to to you know to tear it down. So um, we do everything with respect. And obviously, just like a roast, we like to poke fun at different tropes that you'll find um, in in rap songs and rap culture uh, in the rap community. And so. Urbane Outfitters Volume 1 was full of that. Uh, we made fun of uh, different things, like like the Mano song, which is called "Be With Us, and calls for us to sort of yell on uh, an unnamed person or persons, only because we have the backing of a monstrous former jailbird, played <laughs> by Mano. Um, but then also, I mean, like, I think that, um, you know, like, just the whole, like, um, I mean, you want to just tell the minos, where, like, it, it was, like, our our days are so weird um, where, like, it's not crazy for us to go outside at 3 o'clock in the morning on a fine Mano there sitting in his Bentley and wanting to drive around for an hour listening to our music and then just, like, come back and try to explain to our doorman that we don't sell drugs. Like, it's just, like, it's such a weird lane that we're in that we're just, like, we're trying to, to explain that in as many funny ways as possible. Yeah, and when it comes to songs like Jews for Jesus Peace, which you put out um, right in time for uh, Christmas, that's something, you know, you just, you... And we had the song uh, written since the summer, um, but it's funny, you go to all these listening sessions where Big Sean has a song about his Jesus Peace. And J. Cole. And Wale. Yeah. Um, so it became actually an interesting subject that we had hit upon and didn't even intend to have be, be topical or anything anyway um so we we made we made the song and we linked up with uh, rex arrow our friends who uh work with mac miller and and nelly and a bunch of people and they're fantastic filmmakers over there and they saw our vision uh we connected and and made something that we were very proud of and it did great numbers on youtube and worldstar and then we linked up with them again to revisit a song from uh, Urbane Outfitters Volume One, "Girls of the Dirty Souths" with Bun B.
0: Yeah, that just recently came out, right? Correct. Yes. Um, oh. Right. was gonna talk uh, about Bun B, how he co-signed you the relationship with that. That's pretty all. That's pretty dope because he's like one of the originals and a true OG. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're just. It's it's crazy
1: <laughs> um, how unlike the pulse he is, like. He is, first of all, the nicest person ever. Um, He is the most generous person. And he, I think it was, what, like 2008? So this is like maybe six months into our... um, Yeah, something like that. Into us making the sketch. uh, It was like nine or something. But But he reaches out and he calls up Eric out of nowhere and says, First time, long time. We were just so blown away (laughs) that anybody was watching us, let alone... Fun B, and yes. he has always been um, great to us ever since then. Like he called me after I got the, off the Rihanna plane um, and wanted to make sure I was okay. Um, he he took us out for um, chicken and waffles down in Houston for this shoot. Um, he's he's somebody. Look, we we drove around in Houston and, and said out loud to each other, "I can't believe this is this is really a reality. This is something yes. where." You can never imagine... Bun-B is someone who, even if they don't know him by name, if you say, have you ever heard of Big Pimpin', you have like family members who will be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that song. And you say, oh, it's just the Jigga Man Pimp C, and B and they're like, oh, my God. He's somebody who everyone knows. He's also, as Jeff said, the nicest human being. So put those things together and have him on your song, which is talking about something so ridiculous as Girls of the Dirty South. And it's amazing that he's down to have fun that he's so nice about it and and you know so willing to uh, to put his career on the line for us
0: Does your Grandma oh Bundy
1: Gram- Grandma is well grandma doesn't know what we do so she she, she might not know Bundy right
0: so what listening session are you going to today?
1: Today we're going to an artist who signed to three hundred, who is um, Leor and which is Leor and um, Todd's label. Leor Cohen and Todd Moskowitz. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, he's the first artist, and we don't know anything about him yet. Right. Um, but we're going. His name to is that. Rad Simone. He's from he's from uh, uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, this will be interesting. I mean, it's. You know, you know how it is. Being the first, the first artist on a label is is pretty significant. So it'll be uh, it'll it'll be something to see how he does and how the label does as well, because they're they're trying to be different um, from all the majors uh, in how they run and how they promote themselves and the artists that they sign. So,
0: so it's all process. Like you, you're getting invited to everything these days. But uh, seven years ago, when you first started, obviously you didn't know anyone. You just got to build your way and network through the through all that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, look, it's, I mean, it helps because the format that we put ourselves in, where people could recognize our faces and, um, you know, where they could, they could find us online. Um, so, naturally, they would want to invite people who they felt were important to um, the culture to come to these events, to right. spread the Even word. People who were, you know, good at, um, at making themselves heard and stuff. And Yeah. So I think that's what we've done. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's just a natural sort of growth, you know, as one gets older, one would hope if they're still in the game, then then they'd get more integral to the game. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, we're, we're not special. Uh, I, I think we're talented. I think that we have a lot of skills. Um, and I think that our determination and our drive have put us in a great position. But I, it's not like we were born um, and you know on third base or anything. Uh, all of this is is achievable by by anyone. Honestly, I think that if you if you just um, put your neck out there and you you try to get in touch with people, you're gonna you know and, and you have a good message to to spread. I think um, you'll get a leg up on your competition and you'll put yourself uh, in these places that we could have never imagined. I think that, um, you know, if I never wrote, uh, if, I, if I never went down to uh, Asbury um, Park. Asbury Park in New Jersey to go see Kanye and waited backstage before he put out College Dropout, um, you know, and wait backstage and, and to meet John C. and to meet Consequence and, and all those guys, and establish these relationships, um, the ball never gets rolling. I think that if you if you put yourself out there, if you say, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, and I'm willing to do it for free, and I'm willing to work extremely hard to make this happen, you're better off for it. You know, that's, that type of stuff launched us um, in a certain direction. Um, I think the fact that, that Jeff would email um, different people and start relationships that carry over to this day. I think the most important thing that we that we do, and we still do this, seven years in, is we make sure that we show our faces at different record labels, at different marketing companies, at all these yeah. events, and maintain these relationships because people people forget easily. Yeah, but not, not only that, but just one more point. I think people want to be a part of what we do. Yes. Yeah. And, and and that's why we go to these events. But I do think that, like, and, and not to, um, you know, draw out this point even more, but I think that we also, um, we used to call ourselves or consider ourselves two idiots with a camera, and we'd yeah. walk around the city and just be like, I can't believe that, like, we're doing this because anybody could be doing this. Yeah. And I think that, you know, now we're still too idiots with a camera, but I think that we have a much longer resume but I, I do think that's important to look at yourself and say like if anybody can be doing this then maybe we should do this as good as we can I, I think too just, just one more point I think it's very important is to have your own voice I think one of the best things that we've done is that we're different um, no one has our specific viewpoints and I think that worked to our advantage and if, if anyone is starting out right now it's helpful not to copy people but to do your own thing because you yeah. stick out more
0: Exactly. It's so funny how you said, uh, Asbury Park, first off, the, my college radio station in my college is at Momma University. That's right right down the block. Yeah, and yeah. Then, second, um, when you said you guys are two idiots on radio, I usually call myself, uh, Mike Sweeney the Idiot sometimes. I had to. There you go. Tom said, uh, Mike Sweeney the Idiot, and he was just, you know, giving me a little little promo when we did the interview. I thought it was really funny.
1: What's up? Shout out, shout out to all the idiots out there.
0: Yeah, but, um,. Have you ever felt This is an interesting question. I never got to ask anyone this uh, because uh, you guys are the first white people I interviewed. Do you feel like you guys are the minority in the, uh, the culture in, in a way? Like at first when you first uh, started, I know I'm not, not saying playing the victim, but I'm saying, have you ever felt like when you first got interviews and you got denied and stuff because like the people were looking at you like, what are you doing? You guys are white boys. Even though Eminem changed the game, the BC Boys changed the game, and even Vanilla Ice.
1: Um, I will say from the inside of the industry, I've felt nothing. Yeah. Um, but from the, at, like, commenters, I think when we first started out, like, this this is how old we were. Commenters were like, what are these white guys doing in hip-hop? Now, it's just like, I think it's sort of like a given. Like, when, when I went to high school, when Eric went to high school, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> kids didn't understand what hip-hop still was. Like, they were still like, you're trying to act black. And I think that, I think that, right. um, I think that you know, now you go to a hip hop show and it's like a very mixed crowd. Yeah. I I would say that we have never, um uh not gotten an opportunity because we were white. I think that it's been um I think we always view it as a privilege to be accepted um as serious hip hop heads in this yeah. community full of that. Right. I don't think that that race has played a factor at all, except for maybe like comedic purposes, just being like hey, like, it's funny that these two white guys know a lot about hip-hop. Yeah, exactly.
0: But what I think, um, personally, um, I think it plays a factor with, with if you're white and someone on the outside who's white is looking in. Like, for example, a career university told me that I should make multiple resumes because, as a business aspect, business companies won't want to hire you if they see hip-hop on your resume because they're intimidated by that because they don't understand it. So I thought, but
1: what, Yeah, but what are you looking to get into?
0: Well, no, the thing is, you know, backup plans. Like, right now I got, I'm got i on radio, I do radio, I have a blog, I have a podcast, I do all that. But I have a degree in business management marketing, so they were just trying to show me and, like, show me how to make, you know, certain different resumes for what, what not, you know, radio one and business one. But he was saying how my overall resume looked intimidating from certain employers, but I thought it was funny. That's why I wanted to ask you guys that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, and maybe this is just because I, I watched um the first part of Tanning of America. Um. um on VH1, and, like, I think that, um, people who are older always sort of view younger generations as, like, scary or, like, something that they just can't understand, and so, you know, I, I think that there's this sort of lateness quality to people who are older who, who are just like, oh, like, this rap stuff is still scary. I, I don't think that rap is scary. I don't think rap should be scary. I don't think that um, diversity is scary. Like, I think that it's just... It's just the way that kids are these days. Yeah.
0: Who'd you guys grow up on, anyway? Like, who'd you start out
1: listening to? Uh, start, uh, start out listening to? Or, like, I mean... I want to be completely honest about it. When I was, you know, really young, it's it's hard to miss, you know, stuff like MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, or Arrested Development, right, or any right, of those. Right. Yeah, it just, you know, or, like, um... Positive K or, or um, you know, well, uh, just a- any, any of these things that were just everywhere. Um, uh, I, I think that... Um, I think that uh, during our formative years... Well, first of all, doggy style was huge for you. Huge, huge. The chronic doggy style, I mean, changed my life. Um, I think, but, uh, you know, Tanya really changed my life. Jay-Z... Yeah, changed, changed my life in in just a, a million ways. It's not to say that we didn't listen to anything um, outside of that because I love Ben Folds. I still love Ben Folds. Ben Folds, you know, there was the Dave Matthews period in my life. There was a Pearl Jam period in my life. Um, you know, uh, I, it's just you know well rounded. I think, and and also actually, I'll tell you this: both of us and our brother Dan too grew up really on Motown stuff that our parents would listen to, and Paul Simon, Road Trips had like. Elton John and Billy Joel. Um, I think for me, like, I mean, my first, um... The first CD I bought was by No Doubt. The second CD that I bought was by Missy Elliott. And then I played that Missy Elliott, um... Missy Missy Misdemeanor Elliott, excuse me, (laughs) um... CD, like, To the Bone. Um, and, like, I think that Timbaland was so huge for me, and then the Neptunes, and it, it was, like, you know, like, um tip set, and, um, like, those, those are, like, my high school years, like, just being, like, okay, like, this is, this is,
0: this is it. <laughs> I had an older brother who's older than you guys, I believe, and he, uh, when he went to college, he left CDs around, and yeah. I was, I think I licensed the Hill got me, and then straight at a Compton, NWA, and yeah. then Big, uh, Biggie, Ready to Die, and then, um, the Eminem album.
1: Oh, my God, yeah, yeah Biggie, I think that's a great Biggie, education. Biggie was... Nine years- Yeah, Biggie, man. Beastie Boys, too. Beastie Boys were what got me to listen to Hot 97, actually.
0: Yeah, so, um, some of your favorite, like, uh, people and skits, like, whatnot, did you ever go to uh, Cameron's basement strip club?
1: We never actually ended up. He did invite us. I think, I believe there's an open invitation. Um, But we never never actually went. Um, Cam's an interesting guy in that... Whenever we see him, it's all love, but getting in touch with him to follow through on things is, is not the easiest uh, process. No, but I think it's gotten easier. But, um, but no, like every time we see him, he always asks about our family, who he's never met. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, he's, he's a, like that was, that, that was, it was just fantastic, the, a fantastic process.
0: That was a great skit. It's funny because you guys are behind the scenes with the skits, some of them, and you weren't even in the skit, but you planned all that and probably wrote all that, which takes a lot of. Yeah, ways. we wrote. Yeah, we wrote, it all, wrote it, all. it all. He actually.
1: It's funny. Um, while we were doing that, while we were filming that, we would just be like, "Oh man, like Cam, that was great. Like, let's move on to the next line." And every single time, he'd be like, "No, tell me if I'm doing it right. Like, I don't, I don't want to just do it. Like, okay, I want you guys to tell me honestly if I should do it again. Like." you know, please be hard on me, I want this to be great. And, you know, we really appreciated that and we were just so blown away by it, especially because when Joey Manda approached us to maybe do something with Cam, he called us like 15 minutes before it happened and said like, if you don't get down here in 15 minutes to the, to the record label to film this, like it's not, you're never gonna see Cam again. again. Yeah.
0: And uh, another thing with uh, artists, do they only call you when they want like promotional and all? Like when they're not making music, do you hear from some of these people? Yeah, no, no. I, think we, 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 I
1: think we hear from people. Yeah, you know, we see like we'll see everyone out. Um, it's it's always you know we have we have real conversations with a lot of these people. Um, you know, it's it's nice uh, like people reach out just to have good conversations and and uh, connect as human to human. I mean, we're just happy to be friendly with with a lot of these guys. We ran into killer Mike who we've never worked with anything on and he's just a fan of what we do and we can have a great conversation and hang out with him. I mean it's you know, A track, um, just I mean lots 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 of people. Whenever we yeah. see fun, it it's it's just you know, it's great regardless. And it's funny, it's like it's people who the people who surprise me are the ones who we never worked with who happen to like us, like Danny Brown. Um, when we met him down at Bonru he was like, uh, yeah, I watch all your things, like, I love you guys, and you're we just like, oh my god, like, you know, you know who we are, like, that's so crazy.
0: Hit me, baby, one more time, that was great. It's
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> the best version I've ever, I wish I could get that in an mp3 file and have him sing that, and I would play that oh.
1: He was great, he was great.
0: But, uh, did you... have you ever been invited to Joe Buzz's pool party? That would be a good skit.
1: No, and that's a big problem that we have, by the way. <laughs>
0: that's
1: because a lot of we yeah. are friends with Joe. We've been to his house, but it was in the winter Um Never been invited to a pool party. We have friends who have gone to the pool party. And it's just like, actually, I'm pretty sure we watched the video and saw, like, all of our friends at the pool party. And we're like, why did we not get an invite? But I actually don't even care at the pool party. I will say I would much rather have been invited to his Monopoly. Yeah, or, like, the card games. Yeah, because, like, that's when, like, Angie's there, Angie Martinez, and, um, like, Herb. Her yeah. And, like, all
0: these guys. I would, re- I would much rather go to that. Yeah, um, I'm apparently invited this summer to the pool party, but I'm probably not going to get in because they probably forgot about me. I interviewed someone who he's familiar with and friends with, and he said he had put me on the list, but I feel like I'm not getting on. And it would be so awkward if, if I walked in.
1: Well, well, it would be awkward if, if, if they forgot about you and you walked in, yes. But I think that, um, look, just, you know, reach out to them again and see what's up. If in there, you're in good company with us. So Yeah, you can come to our pool party. We just don't have a pool. Right, so...
0: And, uh, so anything, like any other funny stories within the industry, I know, did you give Angela e a lap dance? I interviewed her. She was very friendly and kind. <laughs>
1: um, did we give her, did I give her a lap dance? Well, Angela was supposed to be my first Facebook wife. Um, really? yeah. Um, but then I'm married to, um, actual friend, Aura, who works in the industry. And so that's been a big point of contention over the past, like, six years. Angela's great, though great. great. Um, uh, any other funny industry stories? Uh, trying to think. Uh, I mean, we had a we have had a lot. I mean, it's it's just been a long sort of career of of running into people and uh, and existing mm. In, like our like Jeff says, our, our everyday life. It's to the point where our doormen don't know what we do besides laundry, you know, like, the only time they see us is, like, running out, um, and some of the time it's with, you know, big bags of, of clothing that we have to go get washed across the
0: street. Yeah, well, I should probably let you guys go soon, because it's almost an hour, and you probably have a life to live today. <laughs> well, I do have to do laundry today. That <laughs> is a big deal. Got a good, I got a good question, I, just thinking of it now, like, I do radio, blog, yeah. and when I don't blog-heavy anymore, you don't post stuff. Like a lot of these personalities post stuff, like you know, the, like the big one, big time ones, Flex and what and whatnot, Angela, uh, Angie Martinez. Um, what do you mm-hmm. think about the future of the game? Because you guys took a good platform with video, with uh, Eric's and Jeff's and your Jeff, your writing skills, and then you combined it and then did this comedy skits. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the future of radio, the future of vlogging, and the future of digital media? Is it more going to be like a digital media society where radio is kind of the out? Well,
1: just before I answer that. um I mean, like, just just so, like, we're clear, like, Eric um, writes a lot for the sketches, too. Like, it's not just him just filming. I I know it's, like, not what you meant, but, like, just, like, yeah. Yeah, we we, we split the writing 50-50. In terms of... Do you want to say what you think about radio? I think that, like, I think that everyone has become their own brand, and so now it's important for that brand to hit, on as many different levels and channels as possible. And so that's why you're seeing everybody sort of promote themselves, not only through, you know, radio, which is a, not dying platform, but it's definitely, like, an older platform. And you have people who are, you know, going to the internet and just doing their Twitter and their Tumblr, and the Twitter feeds into the Tumblr, and the Tumblr feeds into the Facebook, and the Facebook feeds into people's Instagram, and like or whatever. And it's just like... I think that everybody is just trying to, um, to to connect on every single avenue that they can. Yeah, I think that um, if you want a sort of idea of where everything is headed, I think High 97 is actually doing a very good job of it. They were a little late to it. I think that, that uh, Power 105 um, got in there in terms of video earlier and has been very successful in terms of their interviews, but... What Hot 97 is doing now is they're becoming a brand more than a radio station. So when you say, like, like it's not as important now for Funkmaster Flex, I think, to um, become or to break a record at 7 o'clock on the air. I think that it's more important for Flex as a member of the hottest and most important brand in hip-hop to say, yes, I co this, Right. So that's why you're gonna see more video content. That's why they're taking down those mic stamps, creating an environment at the radio station where it's really uh, video friendly. I think yeah. that I think that you're gonna see more and more video content because people just wanna to go to YouTube or they would go to different websites and watch this content now instead of just listen to something. I think podcasting is a huge thing. Right. Yeah. Uh it's I think for anyone trying to it's Get in where you fit in. It's just, like, adapt. I also think that in terms of High 97, I think that both Flex and Enough and Angie, so I guess it's three people, not two, um, they've all been smart in that they're not just music content. They're doing content that is more appropriate for, like, a Huffington Post, and so they're getting a lot of, Um, clicks from people who normally wouldn't go to their site. And then that feeds into them caring about the music and seeing other things. And so you're sort of seeing everybody become their own Huffington Post. Right. And just to go back to ourselves for a second, um, I think what we've been successful at doing is we've created a brand. Um, If you look up It's The Real with no apostrophe and no space, no spaces, you're going to get a lot of content, whether that's you know, any part of uh, what we've done over our career, you know, being the sketches, the interviews, the podcast and the music. Um, it's we built a brand and whatever we do under that umbrella works for us. And you can identify that you're going to get hip hop and comedy within that. Um, I, I think more and more people companies are becoming their own brands. And that's how. You can market yourself going forward. You can do a lot of different things. You don't have to just specifically be one small thing anymore. You're, you don't have to be, you know, the company man working for one place and figure that that's how you're going to be known. It's, it's. You can do a ton of stuff and still be legitimate and, and successful as your brand.
0: Yeah, the dilemma seems to be just with the overall startup and coming up with the like, free work, the podcast, the blogging, the radio, a lot of free work, and then finally getting that exposure, which takes a while because it's such a competitive environment. Like, Have you guys had any offers ever for like Hot Seven or Power? It seems like you guys favor Hot Seven too, like with the old Legends and the uh, just because it's like a cl- more classic uh, radio station and always has been for a while. Um, We've had
1: offers to do stuff with them Um we, actually, we we've had offers from both places. To yeah, um, I'm trying to think like, and we love everyone. Just just to be completely honest, yes, but, um, I don't think that that's like what we're looking to do. Right. Um, I think that you know we're sort of just like happy to. Um, I think that that would sort of limit our voice at the at the moment, and so I think that we're we're just happy to do our own thing. That's right.
0: So, uh, overall, because it's been an hour, you guys are probably bitter at me. Um, what, are you, last not what are your keys to success, like overall in this industry from what you learned, not even in the industry, even on the outside, when you first started out doing the videos every Monday? So now, when you, you built your brand and you're at a good place right now, making good money, the checks are coming in. What did you learn, like, like the best advice you could give someone who's just starting out or you know, just any good advice for success within hip hop? Like, five P's for, like, the college kids out there. Or anyone, really.
1: I think the first thing is that you sort of have to, early on, be blessed by the Illuminati. Like, (laughs) that's that's just very important. Um, And enough that you have to just be... um, Quality and consistency are such huge, huge um, pillars. Um, So, like, I think that's really important. I think that also, like, having your own voice individuality recognize you know who you are as opposed to being like you know the guy in a mask in Nelly's outfit although I guess that that you know having I guess I guess that that, that was his thing no was known sure to wear the mask all the time okay. uh, yeah no Jeff just hit on all, all the right points and and don't take no for an answer just keep going I, I, I can't stress enough it doesn't matter like it really doesn't matter, there's so many outlets, there's so many opportunities, there's no reason for people to say, oh you know what, I'm not going to do it, because then you're just not built to do it, like good, like don't do it, you'll you'll create more room for someone else. There's many uh, avenues and opportunities out there, and people can just put in the work and organically grow brands, and eventually someone will find them, it's just a matter of time, and yeah. hard work.
0: Thanks, yeah. Thank you guys for the interview, and it's cool that you guys have a different outlook and uh, different approaches than previous interviews. That's why I wanted to talk to you, and uh, I'm more... I, I actually love comedy, but I'm sorry that we didn't get into a lot of comedy, a lot of jokes. No, it's
1: a, it's all good. Um, no, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, seriously, and also, can I just say that, like, so many people don't do research and are, like, not great interviewers, and I think that, like, you actually... Are yeah, and so like I'm, I I hope that you don't take that second resume. Like I think that that, that this is sort of like the the yeah. path. Even you know for however you move forward, just just keep working. Just you know equally or as more hard or harder rather than uh, than you did for this one because this was excellent. This yeah, was like great. you're so comfortable. Like I, I really hope that you like really go for it. We've had um we've oh. had a ton of inter- we've had a ton of interviews where people have said things like how'd you guys meet or like you know tell me you know, what exactly do you guys do? I mean, it's just like a lot of second-rate yeah. people out there. So uh, good for you and good luck.
0: Thank you. And yeah, because um, it's funny how you said that. I'm like, I'm not Tom Cool and Collective. i tell you that. I'm the opposite, actually. I'm a very anxious and nervous person. And, uh, you know, I face-to-face interviews scared me. I have actually had the opportunity to do video interviews with some people, and I actually denied them. Also, I didn't have the technology at the time, but now I'm equipped with everything, and I'm ready to do it and, like, overcome all that. That's why I was asking Jeff in the beginning, because he kind of reminded me myself when he was talking about the Lloyd Banks interview because that's how I would be in a way. And, uh, it's just funny. And, you know, um, I, I really love it because, like, you know, I just love hip-hop and I love talking to people and love conversing. Like, I could talk to you guys for 23 hours and ask the questions. And, uh, I was just, I'm in my basement right now just asking questions. I had a couple plans, but most of them came up the top of my head from doing research and being a fan of it. Uh,
1: yeah, well, thank you. Look, look I, I think, I think, for us specifically, um, like, we we performed down at Bonnaroo on stage, like, you know, we, we performed, we performed a comedy show out in Long Island, uh, a month ago, we, um, you know, you put yourself out there, the more times you do something, the easier it gets, you know, it's just a matter of, of overcoming, like, any anxiousness, and, um, although, you know, you should have some anxiousness, because I think that's what makes it fun. Well, so, weirdly, and, um, I don't know if you're still recording, I hope, maybe you are, but, um, recording it! <laughs> What's that?
0: Yeah, it's still recording. It, it, okay. I can take it. it
1: doesn't matter. No matter. No, no, you can record this. I, I was. I think this is a funny story. It's just like how when. So when we were doing interviews for like MTV, um, weirdly it's the people who were huge that would never get me um, anxious at all or nervous. So like when I interviewed, when we interviewed Stevie Wonder, like I was totally fine. When I interviewed. Jay Z for Rolling Stone, I was totally fine. When I interviewed Cash Out for MTV, I was a nervous wreck for some reason, like sweating the entire time. So I think like it's just um I don't know. I, I think that like um as long as you're like cool with it, then like you're gonna be great. But I uh, you know, you have a you have a good resume so far and I think that I think that repetition and more right. opportunity yeah, okay.
0: because I interviewed. Uh, it's weird. I interviewed a couple rappers, Mac, Mac Wilds as well, Vinny Chase, a couple rappers. You know, not no huge names, but up and coming. And I actually didn't feel as nervous interviewing them as I did with people like such as you guys. Like, I don't know. I like interviewing person and people in the industry better because I feel like I can relate to them better, and it's something I want to do, and they're inspiring me. So it's like I have a lot of. I have a lot of, like, motivation and and ambition in interviewing you guys, like, radio personalities, or, you know, what you guys do, hip out just comedians, and I just think it's cool to interact with you guys.
1: Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, man, good luck with everything, and, uh, and keep going.
0: I think I really should still pursue this, you know, it's it's hard, it it gets hard every, you know, every time. It's been over time, just, it's it's tough to break out and, you know, have have to make a name for yourself. No,
1: but, okay here's here's what you really have to do don't i mean okay it's good to plan it really is it's it's good to plan and and the future and everything but really you should be short-sighted and you should think like um yeah you're so young you should think of like what you're going to do next week instead of like what you're going to do 10 years down the line because um first of all we're in a changing industry also because like you know, it, it. So many things happen on the roads to, to success that it's just like it's impossible to plan for. Right. So really, you should just you know be proud of what you do and keep doing what you do, and then build build your name as a brand and and run with it and make sure you do something that's just different from everyone else. Um. And and you know be be well aware of what everyone else is doing too, so you don't do what they're doing and hopefully you jump on analogy before anyone else does or or adapt to something and you'll be better off. I mean there's no blueprint. I, I will say that. But I think if you are determined and you're uh, cognizant of, of the world, you're you're in good shape. Um I, I
0: feel bad. I keep I keep having questions pop up and I'm gonna ask you guys before you leave. No, so- but so like I got everything going. I got the blog, got the radio. You know, getting into video interviews. It's like I'm doing the plan of how to come up. But as you said, there's, um, yeah, I got to find that new uh, niche or something new and incorporate it with But uh, I don't know. It feels like at the moment, it's it's kind of like slowing down. Like a new niche for hip hop. I'm finding the ways. I'm you know, I take time. I take pride in my interviews, and I you know, I research everything well. And I think that in a sense. is pretty cool too. In in itself, you know.
1: Um, um, I mean, I think that you're doing everything right. If the question is, like, what you should be doing, I think it's that, um, I don't know. I, I guess, like, you just have to... Are you promoting yourself to other blogs? Well, here's here's one thing that you should probably do. I, well, no, I mean, there's so many avenues. There's so many different Yeah, I guess, ways like, do it. yeah. It's, like, what worked for us won't necessarily work for anyone else. It's just, it succeeded for us because of, of the work that we put in. I And the... the You know whatever i think that like you know i I could easily say right now oh yeah um uh get to know younger rappers and that'll be your your thing right you'll you'll be the first guy that interviewed them and that'll pay off in the long term right where like they you know but like maybe that doesn't work for you like or jeff could say like you know establish relationships with specific blogs but that may not work, right. you know? It also seems like old. Well, it, but No, but, I mean, it's it's really up to you. You need to find something that you're very comfortable with, that you think is, that you're not seeing out there, um, and just be proud of the work that you do, and not compare yourself to anyone else. That's another huge thing. Oh, that's huge.
0: Give like, a myself a uh, You know, it's tough sometimes, because I got an, I got an upcoming interview with E1 Music, uh, a family friend. Cool. He's uh, high up in the company. Yeah. And he's out... And uh, previously, I was rejected by Sway. I get easily discouraged, you know. I know it's tough. I'm persistent. I, I get some good interviews. I got rejected a lot with interviews as well. And also, I got rejected with Funk Flex on his blog and his radio show.
1: No, man, I, I'm saying you're don't 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 take these things personally. No one really matters that much. It's all about right. you and your brand. Um, yeah. Also, like I I should reiterate how. Um, you're so young and so accomplished and that you're still in college and you're, like, you're far ahead of the game.
0: I graduated. I'm kind of behind me. I'm 23. I graduated.
1: Uh, Well, regardless, like, I think that 23 is so young. Like, you know, like, 23 was when we just started making, is when I had just started making videos.
0: Yeah, it's
1: Eric was 27 or 26. It's just, it's just a matter of like not caring what other people say, just doing what you do. Look, like last, last thing before we run, our family had a lot of issues with like what we were doing. Oh, how are you making money? How, you know, what exactly is the end game for this? Um, and these are, you know, these are people, close family members. These are far family members. It's this way. It's, it's just people. Um, People might not get it, and that's all right. You just need to keep pushing on, and and you you really shouldn't um, even listen to self doubt. Like you should just be confident in what you do, and it'll pay off in the long run.
0: I, yeah, I think I need to... I, I let, I'll let you guys go. But I think I need to. I I know what I need to do too. And also, that's has to go out to concerts and meet people face to face too. And that's a big thing. Yeah, that's important. You know. Yeah. But I'll let you guys go. You've we've been talking for uh, about an hour and fifteen. Yeah. Good luck editing this down. <laughs> good luck editing this down. Good luck editing-